0: Pastor Ed Taylor says trials and pressure will reveal a lot about us.
1: Do you only follow God in the good times? Well, you'll find that out in the valley. Do you turn your back on God in the tough times? You're going to find that out in the valley. Like when you're on the mountaintop, do you turn your back on God when it gets tough? No, hallelujah, it's great up here. Uh, it's, the altitude's a little high, but man, I'm so close to God. It's so beautiful. Of course we're going to say, I'd never deny you. If everyone denies you, I'll never deny you. And then he lets you come down into the plain and say, oh, okay. And then you find out even if you don't verbally deny him in your heart, you're mad at him. You're disappointed in what God has you doing right now. You're not happy. You're frustrated. You're jealous. You're envious. You're covered. I mean, all kinds of nastiness gets revealed to us in the valley. This is a messing grace!
0: Me. Happy New Year, friend! We're glad you could join us today, and we're looking forward to what the Lord has for us through the teaching and application of His Word here in 2019. Today on Abounding Grace, we pay a visit to 1 Kings 20. Last time, you may recall, we learned quite a bit about our enemy and how he comes at us. But it's important to realize God is greater than our enemy, and victory has already been obtained. Pastor Ed Taylor will draw that out from the text, as well as point to a few things we do well to remember when we're in the valley. This will certainly be of some help to us in the year ahead, as you can be sure we will face an unrelenting enemy and some valleys in 2019.
1: Verse 29, And they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was that on the seventh day the battle was joined. The children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city. And then a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. And Ben-Hadad fled, went into the city, into an inner chamber. This is victory. Thousands fall down. Even as the odds were against them physically, the Lord enables them to kill 100,000 Syrians. Why? Because God is greater than the enemy. And he brings victory. Receive that truth today. God is our victory. Is he in the victory? Is he our victory in the hills? How about in the valleys? Yes. Of course. The mountaintops, we, we have victory. Down in the valleys, we have victory. You know, that's where the, the psalmist learned the victory. Victory is sometimes different in the valley, right? Because though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because the, the shepherd is with us. Victory looks different. But you can rest assured that God is our victory. We don't always feel that way. And that's a problem. Because we can yield to our feelings And only see failure and our feelings they need to be submitted to the truth of god's word they're intimidated they're outnumbered and yet god's still faithful our faithful god allows us to go through the valleys of life as a testimony to the world that he's not only the god of the good times but also the god of the low times it's hard to accept at times i think The world sees the faithfulness of God through the saint who endures difficult times and dark days and deep searing pain. That's why Jesus, he taught us something different. Uh, He talked about the ruler of the world that's coming in John 14. He says, he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the father. So I do. So that the world may know. You know, you're gonna be in the valley. If you're not in the valley right now, you're gonna be in the valley soon enough. It's part of the Christian life. It's part of the Christian experience. Truly, the longer I'm around, believers, and unbelievers alike, quite frankly, it seems as if the valley can be longer than the mountaintops at times in their lives. That not every trial is so quick to begin, so quick to end. Some trials have a long middle. And many are in the long middle of a trial, or what we might call the plains or the valleys or the lowlands. Yeah, the mountaintops often speak to us of intimacy and closeness with God. The mountaintops often speak to us of victory and the presence of God. We learned that with Elijah. What did he do to the prophets of Baal? He took care of them where? On Mount Carmel. But at the word of Jezebel, he went from the Mount of Victory down to the caves, to the lowlands, to the caves of defeat in an instant. And while we wish and desire that our trials had a definite beginning and a short middle and a quick end, it's not always so. And yet God is using the valleys of our lives not only to develop this. Let me give you a couple things to remember in the valley, okay? A couple things, just really three things that I want to give you that I can plant in our hearts today, just so you know you're not alone. Number one, in the valleys, Jesus the Good Shepherd is there with you. Psalm 23, verse 4. He is with us the psalmist says. Number two, in the valleys, God is revealing himself to you. You're learning a new aspect of who God is as you cry out to him. That's what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They learned of the power and the delivering power of God through their life of no compromise. And the world was watching. Like God was revealing himself to you, but also through you. Because remember, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28, he spoke and said, blessed be the God Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Blessed be that God. This is the crazy cat that threw him in the fire to begin with. And through the faithfulness of God, bless the God of those guys. Bless the God of those guys. And then thirdly, God is revealing yourself to you in the valley. We don't always like that, do we? He's showing us ourselves. Do you only follow God in the good times? Well, you'll find that out in the valley. Do you turn your back on God in the tough times? You're going to find that out in the valley. Like when you're on the mountaintop, do you turn your back on God when it gets tough? No, hallelujah, it's great up here. Uh, it's, the altitude's a little high, but man, I'm so close to God. It's so beautiful. Of course we're going to say, I'd never deny you. If everyone denies you, I'll never deny you. And then he lets you come down into the plain and say, oh, okay. And then you find out even if you don't verbally deny him in your heart, you're mad at him. You're disappointed in what God has you doing right now, you're not happy, you're frustrated, you're jealous, you're envious, you're covered. I mean, all kinds of nastiness gets revealed to us in the valley. Not their nastiness, our nastiness. And so what does the Lord do? Our faithful God, like the silversmith and the goldsmith, He turns the heat up, He refines us, the impurities come to the surface, we repent, we offer them, and he skims them off the top, and he's purifying our lives. Yes, he uses the mountaintops, but oh, does he use the valleys. Now, notice verse 31. And his servant said to him, look now, we've heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put sackcloth around our waist and ropes around our heads, and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he'll spare your life. So they wore sackcloth around their waist and put robes around their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. Isn't this the knucklehead that said, What is yours is mine? And now what is he? Let me live. Let me live. (laughs) The Lord can turn things around so quickly, man. It's so good. Some of you, you want the Lord to turn something around really quickly, don't you? Anybody got an amen for that? take this home ben had in just a few verses and one battle of defeat the enemy defeated him in two battles really and now what is he saying oh can you please spare my life and he said is he still alive he's my brother and now the men were diligently watching to see whether any sign of mercy would come from him and they quickly grasped at his word and said your young your brother ben haddad and so he said go bring him Then Ben-Hadad came out to him, and he had had him come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father, I'll restore. And you may set up marketplaces for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I'll send you away with this treaty. And you say, What? You're making a treaty with the enemy? Haven't you learned, Ahab? (sighs) He sends him away with the treaty. And he made a treaty with him in cinema him verse 35. Now a certain man of the sons of the prophet said to the neighbor by the word of the Lord, Strike me, please. And the man refused to strike him. And he said to him, Because you've not obeyed the voice of the Lord, surely as soon as you depart from me, a lion shall kill you. So here's the moral of the story. If a prophet comes to you and says, Strike me, strike him. <laughs> pretty cool. It's a pretty cool true story. And as soon as he left, well, it's not cool. The lion part's not cool. But as soon as he left, a lion found him and killed him. And he found another man and said, strike me, please. So the man struck him, inflicting a wound. Then the prophet departed and waited for the king by the road and disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. And as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, your servant went out in the midst of battle. And there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be spared. Your life shall be for his life or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be, yourself have decided it. Then he hastened to take the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life, and your people for his people. By the way, that's the reward for compromise. You lose your life. It may not be your life like physically, you might lose your life, you might lose your reputation, you might lose your influence. You might lose the effectiveness of the anointing of God in your life. You might lose years where God will have to come to you and say, I'll restore to you years that the locusts eaten. But here, you know, he's not blessed. Compromise did not bless Ahab. And the king of Israel went to his house, sullen and displeased, and came to Samaria. Isn't it interesting that trials and pressure reveal what's inside of us? It's, if you were driving with me uh, to the office, but you didn't know what I put in my cup, uh, would I put in my little thermos? I mean, you could guess, but you don't know. Um, I could tell you anything's in there, and you wouldn't know, because you can't see through it. it's got a top on it, and it's got a little hole to drink through. But if I drive a little too fast, or I hit some construction or something, and that little cup bounces and spills all over me, you're going to know exactly what's inside. I'm going to remember what's exactly inside. It's going to burn me. It's my latte that I had made extra hot. And there I am driving along. Everything's fine. You don't know what's inside until you hit a bump in the road. And that's how life is. The bump in the road did not put anything into that cup. It didn't create what was inside of it. It just revealed it. And that's what trials do in our lives. Trials don't create in us the ugliness that gets revealed. As I've mentioned many times before, you can use all sorts of different uh, illustrations. Sometimes I use a hammer hitting your thumb, but let's go to the ladies and you're sewing and you're sewing, choo choo choo. you're crafting, making some for Pinterest, whatever you're doing. And then there you are and you stab your thumb with that big needle and out of your dainty little mouth comes the wickedest F-bomb that you never even said F-bombs when you weren't saved. But you might have been reading something or listening to something or watching something that's been putting all that in and you've been holding it in and you've been holding it in and you stabbed yourself and you scream and the kids said, what? <laughs> and now you've got to explain yourself. And as you're sitting down and then they come, your husband comes home, I don't know what happened. You know, I would have never said it, honey. I would have noticed that stupid needle would have never been in my I would have never said that word if I wouldn't have pushed No, no, no. The thing is, is you've been saying it in your heart and your mind for a long time. It's inside of you, and the stabbing of your thumb is what brought it out. You can't blame the needle. Blame yourself. Somehow, that word's been harboring in your heart. Of course, I use a great exaggeration, but you can fill in the blanks of what that might be. Perhaps that illustration isn't such an exaggeration for some among us, but the reality is this. What's inside of you will come out, both bad and good. And it's the bumps in life and the trials and temptations and difficulties of life that will reveal. Now, you have to put that in context of not condemnation, but the long-suffering of God. I mean, if God is long-suffering with wicked Ahab, I love what Paul says when he writes the Romans. He says, you know, if God did so much for us when we were sinning and rebellion against Him, how much more in Christ? How much more in Christ? How much more by faith in Jesus? And so as things are revealed in our lives, it's not for the purpose of of destruction of our lives, but rather for the purpose of the destruction of our flesh and our flesh life. There is no shortcut to spiritual maturity. Everyone on the road to spiritual maturity will have days or months or even years on the valley of bumps and bruises, trials and tribulations. And when it reveals things in us, you won't always be happy, but you need not be condemned. Syria just wants to save their own life. They'll take, just like the enemy, he'll take whatever you'll give him. But Ahab's priority in life was status and power and ruling, rulership. It's one of the main reasons he failed miserably. And God will not deal with any of that. Which opens the door for this interesting thing with the prophet. You know, hit me. I don't want to hit you. Hit me or a lion's going to get you. I'm not hitting you. Lion got you. And then he got the next guy. And it was a visual. God, and what what, what tells me, just like with David and his friend Nathan, is that God will send to us messenger after messenger into our lives so that our sin might be acknowledged, confessed, and forsaken. And if the Lord's been speaking to you about a known sin in your life, don't be like an Ahab making excuses. Just deal with it. Repent. Forsake it. Come clean. Forsake your sin and live. And maybe you need to get right with him today. That's why you're listening. Realize this. God is not mad at you. He loves you. The wrath and anger of God was poured upon his son, Jesus Christ. Now, it might feel like he's mad at you because you don't have a relationship with him, but he loves you. And that love has been proven on the cross. He hates the sin in your life, and he hates what sin is doing in your life, but the devil is your enemy, not God. He's your unrelenting enemy and he's searching for you. Remember, Jesus told the story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one went astray? What did the shepherd do? He left the 99 and he searched for it until he found it. He wrapped it around his neck and brought it back home, rejoicing. That's God's attitude towards you. That parable is not for us primarily. It's a picture of God. By application, it's for us. But really what Jesus is trying to show us is the love of the Father for you, that he'll leave the 99 for you. For you. Time and time again. Time and time again. I just got word tonight of a disastrous ending to a brother that used to sit right there. As a matter of fact, that was the last time that I saw his face. He was sitting right here not too many months ago and I personally and many of the guys here poured hours and hours and hours days and I mean he was here off and on for many many years dating back to the very beginning of when we moved into this facility for at least nine years and he would come in and out and in and out and we'd reach out to him and we'd see him around town and and just recently the his life took a disastrous turn and he's no longer with us you know the The reality is, is that no one, none of us really know what a day will bring. And none of us really know how we're going to enter into eternity. But I do know this, I I do know this, and all of us can know this. I don't want to enter into eternity and compromise. I don't want to be a person that's in and out with the things of God, coming and going, but rather to press on, like Paul said, to press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus it matters your life matters the ministry and fruit of your life matter and like the shepherd he's going to go after he's going to leave the 99 to go after you to pursue you he's trying to help you he knows that if you continue on in the way that you're going that you're going to be miserable he knows that if you continue on the way that you're going you're going to make a mess out of your life and probably of those that you love Not only was this man ending in disastrous, but so was a person next to him. I mean, end in disaster. Heartbreaking disaster. And God is just trying to help you. Don't run from him, run to him. And if you're not sure Christ is living in your life today, then I encourage you to respond to the invitation that I'm going to give in just a moment. Make your life right with God. If you've known God at one time, listening in on the radio, listening to King Ahab, wondering what a many thousand, four or five thousand year text means in your life, I'll tell you what it means in your life. Don't be an Ahab. Ahabs are still alive today. Don't compromise. Go thorough, complete. Obey, And now, you know, not even like Ahab, you don't, you, you have the strength of God inside of you. You don't have to stir up and muster up as much strength to, to give the old college try to obey. God is inside of you wanting you to obey, empowering you to obey, giving you both the desire to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I know if God allows me another year, two, 18 years, whatever he has for me in ministry, I'll see more disaster with my own eyes. I'll receive a text message with a notification, like I did on this particular person. I'll pull up a newspaper article. I'll receive information from a police officer. I will, I I know that if, it's heartbreaking to know that there'll be more disaster, there'll be more confessions, there'll be more regret, there'll be more, but I do, I can say this, as a pastor and a friend on my watch, I want it to be as little as possible. And so I'm committed to teaching you the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, to praying for you, to interceding for you. I'm committed to being surrounded by men and women that love Jesus Christ, that together will serve you, will minister to you. But ultimately, we, we won't make you dependent upon us. We will point you to the Lord and cause you to be dependent upon him who is with you and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week available to minister to you and serve you and that will be sometimes people get mad at that You go no 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 I want, I, want, I want you to help me and I want you to help me so and so I want you to help me and say like, we will here's your help get right with God no no you don't understand you got no no I'm telling you you don't understand if you get right with God the power of God that resides in you you cooperate with him he'll live his life through you and there'll be victory day by day and moment by moment don't be an Ahab God's not your enemy the devil's your enemy resist him steadfast in the faith, and victory is yours.
0: On that glorious note of victory, we'll draw today's abounding grace with Ed Taylor to a close. If you got something out of today's study, don't forget you can hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org. Search for 1 Kings 20. Pastor Ed, here we are on the very first day of 2019. I know, like myself, you are really looking forward to what God has for us in this new year. What comes to your mind as we turn the calendar?
1: Hey, Larry, New Year's are always refreshing times to think with a clear slate, you know what is God. You know, for us as a church, I always like to gather together the team and say, "Hey, if we were moving to this city again, and by the way, we have entered into our twentieth year serving Aurora, Colorado, the Denver metro area, uh, the state of Colorado, and and all over the world. You know, our twentieth year. Can you imagine? And so, what what would it be? What would be different if we moved here to Colorado to plant this church? But we have we now have all these resources. What would we do to reach the lost? What would we do to uh, bring about encouragement in people's lives and hope? And, and so to think with a clear slate is amazing. Uh, we got a lot of things in store this year. We're, we're praying about expanding Grace FM. Uh, We're bringing back our Refresh Conference at the end of the year. We are already praying. I was just talking with uh, one of our youth leaders here, talking about summer camp, talking about missions, uh, the opportunity to—we could go on and on. I don't have a list in front of me, but I'm telling you, this year is going to be jam-packed with ministry opportunities for our church family. But let me bring it down just for a second. Can I just encourage you that are listening right now? This new year is an opportunity for you to do things differently, for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. You can read the Bible for the first time all the way through. You can develop a deeper prayer life. You can increase your generosity, not just in financially, but just to have a generous, agape, love-filled heart. You can share the gospel with one more person a week. Uh, You can invite someone to church one more time a week. I mean, think about how many ones... Just one time can be multiplied by 52 weeks, so that now you have 52 things that you have done this year that you haven't done last year. No pressure, no need to make resolutions, just jump in and be led by the Spirit, and you'll see that 2019, Lord willing, if the Lord doesn't come back, because that's our desire, even so, Lord, come quickly, but if... He doesn't come back, and that's not the timing of the soon return of Jesus Christ. We're going to live doing the business of Jesus Christ. I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell, but I am excited, Larry. God bless you, man. I'll be praying for you, too.
0: I am excited, too, Pastor Ed. Thanks for those prayers. Hey, do you have a stubborn habit you'd like to break free of here in the new year? Maybe it's filthy language or an improper thought life. We'd like to suggest a great book by Erwin Lutzer that can help. It's called Getting to Know. That's spelled N-O. You'll learn how to apply God's Word and overcome whatever is plaguing your life. We'll send it to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord here in 2019. We rely completely on God to make all this happen, and we look to our listeners to help us cover the increasing costs of being on the radio. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you prefer to write to Abounding Grace, jot down this address, one eight nine zero zero East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. On behalf of Pastor Ed Taylor and everyone at Abounding Grace, Happy New Year! with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.